And welcome to Ray Mahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you're joining me today on jrootradio.com. For those of you who are new listeners, here is what we do. We try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and to strengthen the connection that you have with your spouse. For those of you who are married. And for those of you who are not married, to learn how to do it in Mir Hashem in the future. We do this not only from social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so happy you are joining me today. Today, right? A day of Haida, is that what it is? We have a day of Haida every day. We say Maidim, we're Maida Kadesh every day. But you know what? Fine, it's fine. Give thanks. Let me tell you something. I have this. I have this really, really amazing Dvar Torah that I have to start this today's class with. I know it's last week's parsha, Pasha's Vayetze, but I was so blown away by this. I'm like, okay, this I must share with my audience. Listen to this amazing, amazing Dvar Torah. I heard this actually from my from 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 Rabbi Goldman, who actually we had him over here on the show in the summer. So I speak to him very frequently. So he told me Dvar Torah. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I, I must share that with my audience. Last week's Parsha, which, by the way, is, is I mean, if we talk about a relationship Parsha, last week's Parsha, I think, would be it. Yaakov and Rachel and Leah and Bila and Zilpah and all the relationships and the complexities and the fact that Yaakov Avinu worked so hard to marry Rachel. He worked all these years to marry Rachel. He doesn't get to marry her right away. He has to wait another seven years. And... And the seeming, the seemingly what happened was the fact that Rachel sort of gave the, the secret codes, whatever those secret codes, secret passwords to her sister Leah. So the next morning, so he actually married Leah first and then he married Rachel. Listen to this amazing, amazing, amazing Dvar Torah. And I think this is going to segue straight into today's topic. And today's topic is an important one. Vayelech Ruven be make Tzirchitim, and Ruven went in the days of Tzirchitim. Vayimtza Dudaim, and he found what did Ruven find? Ruven found these things called Dudaim, Basade. Vayove Osam and he bought them to Leah, Imo, his mother, Atome Rachel, and Rachel said Leah to Leah, Tnina Limi Dudae Benech, give me please some of those Dudaim. Can I have some of those Dudaim? So what are these dudaim? Okay, what are these dudaim? Rashi says dudaim, shigle esev hu vilashin yishmal. Es dudaim. These dudaim, Chazal tell us, were, were actually, whatever this means, we don't, we don't understand this, but they definitely were fertility plants. Whether they were grass, or there was some, some other plantation, but whatever it was, it was for fertility. And Ruvain went to bring them for his mother, Leah, and Rachel saw these, and she's like, "Can I please have some of those?" And me please give us me dudei benech. She doesn't even sound like she asked for all the dudaim. She says, "I have some of the dudaim. Can I have some?" Because Rachel, at the time, she she wanted to have children. That like you know, here is two wives. You have Leah, and she has all these children. Rachel wanted to have children. So what happens is like this. What happens is Vatomer. I'm not sure at this point if she had a child or not, but she definitely. She, here are all these children. She wanted to have a child from Yaakov. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, to what Leah tells Rachel. Because if you, if you just list, take this at face value, it, it, it should, like, you listen to this now, I think you should be blown away by this, what just happened. And she said to her, Is it not enough? That you are you have taken my husband and now you also want to take the dudaim of my son? Vatome Rachel, and Rachel says back to her, Lachain, therefore Yishkavima Khalila. He shall lie with you tonight. Tachas Instead or in place of the Dudaim of your son. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to what happened over here. Rachel innocently, seemingly, if you just look at Pashib Shat, innocently is going over to Leah and she says to her, can I please have some of the dudaim? Can I have some of the plants? Do you mind? Like, what do you care? What does Leah say to Rachel? Leah says to Rachel, 
Is it not enough that you've taken my husband now that you want my dudaim? What is that supposed to mean? Can you imagine, like, just reading this at face value? It, it's, it, it would seem that chas v'sham, like Leah, is being very mean over here. She's telling Rachel, Leah's telling Rachel, Hameat, is it not enough you taken my husband? Taken your husband? What do you mean, taken your husband? She wouldn't be married to Yaakov if not for Rachel. The only reason Leah's married to Yaakov is because Rachel gave those secret passwords, whatever those passwords were, she gave them, right? We all know the story. Right that night, Yaakov knew good. Yaakov knew good and well that love on her, their father was Ramai. He knew that. He knew that. By the way, I heard this beautiful Dvar Torah. Little little bit here, that we you know we keep on saying love on Ha'arami, love on Ha'arami. Why do we keep on saying Ha'arami? Ha'arami actually is derived from the word Ramai. He was a Ramai. He was a trickster. Everybody knew love on was a trickster. Yaakov knew good and well that he might pull, pull a move on him. So he actually gave these passwords, these secret codes to Rachel. And Rachel gave him over to Leah. And here Leah is, has seemingly, seemingly, we know it's not true, but seemingly an audacity to tell Rachel, is it not enough you took away my husband? Now you want my, my plants as well? What? What is that supposed to mean? Is it not enough? What? You wouldn't be married for, to Yaakov if not for Rachel. How could how is it possible that Leah could speak to Rachel this way? Complete non-Hakarsa Tov. At least that's what it seems like, right? <sighs> Rabbi Goldman explained me beautifully, and I, I have to share this with you. There's a beautiful, beautiful parish that explains as follows. That the truth of the matter is, first of all, we have to understand what were these secret codes that Yaakov gave to Rachel that he will know through these codes or through this password or whatever it is that it's really Rachel and it's not. It's brought down there. Shlomo Zalman Orbach says, these were actually halachos. These are halachos for a woman when she gets married. I believe it was Chala, Nida, uh, Neiris Shabbos. And these were simply halachos. There's no, no great secret. It wasn't like some sort of password. It was halachos. And he told her the halachos. And Rachel what she did is she went ahead and she taught these halachos to Leah. And the way she set it up wasn't like, oh, you know, by the way, I'm supposed to get married to Yaakov tomorrow, but I'm, I know how, how miserable you are because you think you're going to marry Esau. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you the passwords. It's not what happened. She brought it about in a way where Leah felt like it was a regular marriage. This was decided. Of course, love and his tricks, whatever it was. But this is what it was decided. It was decided, it was shocking. It was decided this is to happen. Meaning that Leah did not have a clue, a clue that at the end of the day, it was supposed to be, yeah, it, Rachel was supposed to be the wife. Of course, she knew that Rachel was supposed to be the wife, but what? But at the end of the day, it was arranged that Leah was supposed to be the wife. So she really told her innocently, said to her, because it seems like the relationship is much much, much more with Yaakov and Rachel than with Leah. And Leah was feeling this throughout. And if you think about all the names that Leah named her children, Ruven, Shem, she named them, every single name signifies the fact that she wants a relationship. Maybe this child will bring me closer to Yaakov. Maybe that child will bring me closer to Yaakov. She just wanted the relationship. She wanted to connect with Yaakov Avinu. That's what Leah want, wanted. Of course, it was important for Rachel, but what was of essence to Rachel was children. That was of essence to Rachel. And I think this was like, explain me, this, this is like the breaking point over here. Well, Rachel said, no problem. You want the relationship? I'll give you the relationship. You know what Rachel could have really told Leah? And you know what probably most of us would have told Leah? Okay, I shouldn't say, I'm sorry, not going to be mighty loud on Am Yisrael. But, but a lot of us would probably have told Leah at the point where she says, you stole my husband. She would have looked at her and said to her, are you serious? I stole your husband? You wouldn't be married to him if not for me. I gave you the, I gave you the halachos that was all about, she was really supposed to marry me. I stole your husband? This is the way you talk to me? No. But Rachel Imenu doesn't talk like that. She's mavater completely and utterly mevater. She lets it go. She says, doesn't say a word to Leah. Let her think. Let her think what she needs to think, which is that she was supposed to marry him. That's the way the marriage is supposed to work out. At the end of the day, Lamaisa, she is supposed to marry him because even though she thought that she has to marry Esav, but at the end of the day, the Bechorah was sold to Yaakov. So now Yaakov is the Bechor and all these Cheshbonas, but I am not going to hurt my sister's feelings. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm sure it took a tremendous amount of self-control. 
Tremendous amount of self-control. Think about it. A tremendous amount of self-control. That is godless. What is godless? Godless is like, oh, it's easy. God loves us. Sure, everything is easy for him. No, it takes a lot it, until he got to that point. Or, 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 or both by men and women. Rebetzin Kanievsky, right? Her godless. Of course she worked on herself. Of course she tried. Okay, so she was in this family. That's family. Who cares? She's been working on herself to get to the godless. So, 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 so what we're saying is, is that being mevater, being mevater is what causes greatness. I, I know I speak about this, but listen to what happened. Rachli Menu, tremendous Rachli Menu, she was completely and utterly mevater. First, when she gave her the halachos, the secret codes. Secondly, now, when she had the opportunity to completely blast her sister and say to her, I don't, can't believe you're talking to me like that. I'm going to tell you the truth. I stole your husband? Are you for real? I gave you those passwords. I gave you the halachos. That's the only reason you're married to him. She didn't do that. She knew that. She said, you want the relationship? No problem. That's okay. I just want to ha- I, I want the relationship, but I want to have children. It seems unfortunate that Rachel Imenu didn't wasn't buried together with Yaakov and the Maras of Machpelah. It seems unfortunate. And Leah got what she wanted at the end. She had the relationship with Yaakov. She was buried to- together with Yaakov. And those of you who have gone to Maras of Machpelah in Eretz Yisrael know that it's, it's Yaakov and Leah, not Rachel. Rachel's not there. She's buried elsewhere. I believe it's Beis Lechem. But I will tell you like this, ladies and gentlemen. And that's like this. Rachel Imenu, her, the most important thing for her was the children, to have those children. And the fact that she wasn't buried in the Maras Machpelah, the fact that she was buried elsewhere, was a tremendous, tremendous chus merit for her, her great-great-great-grandchildren. After the Chorban Habayis, after the destruction of the temple, when the Yidden were leaving during Gullus, they were all leaving, and they, where did they stop by? Where did they end up going? Rachel Mavakel Banel. Where was it? It was by Kevar Rachel. And that's where Rachel Mavakel Banel. That's where Rachel was davening for her children. It was right there. And the Jewish people who were passing by were inspired by that. Because that was her objective, that was her focus, that's what she got at the end. Kadesh Baruch gave her that connection that even after, after she wasn't living anymore. To be able to be connected to, to her great-great-great-grandchildren just by the fact that her caver was there. But what I want to focus today is on this incredible, incredible self-control that she had to be mevater and not to blast her sister, to give over the halachos in the first place, and then when she, she, she's accused, completely accused, she just lets it go. Ladies and gentlemen, being mevater doesn't mean, yeah, I know I'm a little bit wrong, so whatever. You know, we're both right, so I'll let it go. Yeah, you have a point also. Now, that's not being that's being mavater maybe on a certain level. But really being mavater, especially in your marriage, is is like this. You know what? I can't believe you're talking to me that way because what you're saying right now is completely not true. You're fabricating all of it up. If we would have had a, a, a tape recorder, a videotape in this house, you would see that you're wrong and I'm right. That's what you're thinking to your in your head. You're not saying that, you're thinking that. So the way you feel is I'm right and you're wrong, but I'm gonna let it go anyways. That's being mavater. That is being mavater. You are going to have that opportunity in your house. You've had it in the past, and you're going to have it in the future. Where you feel, bivadais, for sure, your spouse, your wife is completely wrong. Your husband is completely wrong. How, how dare he accuse you of that when you've never even dreamt of hurting his feelings. You never dreamt of not following what he wanted. You never dreamt about whatever it is. And here he accuses you? What? Are you for real? Are you for real? I, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. But you know what? I'm going to let it go anyways. Because I'm going to be mevater. Hashem is kel rachem v'chanon. And I'm going to follow in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's way. And we're going to bring the Shekhinah down to this house. And I am not going to bring machlokas to this house. No matter what. I am not bringing machlokas into this house. I don't want the Satan in this house. I want Kedusha. I want Shekhinah. That's really being mevater. We learned this from Rachel Imenu. You had a horrible day? You had a horrible day? We all have horrible days. So your husband comes back, and he's making you crazy. You had a horrible day. You had a horrible He wants you to listen to him. You had a horrible day. You know what? I, I also had a horrible day, but I'm going to be mevater. I will help you, and I will listen to you. Men, I'm talking to you as well. Men, I'm talking to you as well. Because the truth of the matter is, you should be the listeners. Really, really, you should be the ones who are initi- initiating. You're the ones who's supposed to start it. We, we, I'm talking to myself, we are the ones who are, who are the givers. We're the nice them. They're the macabre. So we should be listening first. Of course, we want our wives to listen to us. But we should be listening first. We should have, you know, when we first come home, we should say to them after we're greeted, of course, you know, 
And even if we're not greeted, talk to me about your day. Why don't we spend some time? What happened to you today? Let's talk. Now, you had a very hard day. You also want to be listened to? She'll listen to you. Of course she'll listen to you. It works both ways. But being mevater is, I'm really not in the mood of doing this right now. I'm really not. Like, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this anyways. I'm going to do this for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Because kol ha-mevater ha-midosav mavir and kol pishav. Now, some people might need that, what I just said. Kol ha-mevater ha-midosav mavir and kol pishav. I'm doing it because I know I'm going to let go. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to let go. But some people could do it on a higher level. Meaning two ways. Number one, is, yes, yes, my wife is saying whatever she's saying right now. I know she's wrong, and she's completely, you know, I'm not even going there. But you know what? You know what? I want to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu right now, so I'm going to let it go. Or even, or even, I can say bigger than that, but parallel in a certain sense is, at the end of the day, I know Hashem wants me to connect to my wife. I know Hashem wants me to connect to my wife. So if I'm going to start fighting with her right now about this, She's not going to agree with me. I'm not going to agree with her. It's going to create distance. It's going to create a disconnection. That's not my purpose in the marriage. My purpose is to connect, and I'm just going to let it go. You know, I talk about this a lot, being mevater, and a lot of you are listening to this like, okay, easy, come on. Not if it happens every day, you know. I, I get that. I, I get that, and I know that, and I get that, and I work with couples. I, 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 whatever you're going to tell me, I've seen it. But I'll tell you one thing. That does not mean we should give up. What it means is we should strengthen ourselves and work on our mevater muscles, as we say, and just try to be mevater, mevater. Are there times where we can't mevater? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Those of you who want to text me, call me, and argue with me and say, no, you always have to be mevater in a marriage with everything, 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 everything. You know something? Um, theoretically, that might be a good idea. Practically speaking, it doesn't always work. You want to know why? Because if you're going to try to be mevater in certain cases and you're not going to be able to be mevater, you are going to build yourself a resentment towards your spouse and it's going to come out later. I'm going to repeat that. You're building resentment towards your spouse and it's going to come out later. And sometimes you have to enter the fire, and I say fire because it's a very, very dangerous place. Even negotiation, I'm not talking about arguing, of course not. Of course, I'm not talking about arguing or fighting. I'm talking about negotiation. Negotiation is a very dangerous place. You can get burnt, and you're definitely going to create distance between you and your husband, no matter what. If you're going to criticize, because ultimately that's way it's going to be taken, as sweet as you're going to do it, as sweet as you're going to do it. And I'm the one to, you know, I'll tell you all the, all the tactics, all the skills and the tools and how to do it, but you got to be careful. So I always say, try to be mavater, try to be mavater, let it go, let it go, let it go, try to be mavater again. You'll see most of the time, after an hour, you'll forget about it, it's not going to be important. If it was an atom bomb, where you just feel that resentment, you just can't let it go, yes, negotiate. The way we spoke about it, the way we speak about it, it's not, it's not push it, it's not simple how to do it, but you're entering a fire. You're really walking into a minefield, and, and an explosion can happen because negotiation doesn't always work right on the first time. The first time, it could, there could be explosions, there could be a major disconnect, and then you have to come do it again and reassess. That's why I say, try to be mavata. Take a look at Rachel Imenu. She, she was really within the right. She was within the right to tell her sister, are you kidding me? Like, I don't believe this. I took your husband away. You wouldn't be married to him if not for me but she just let it go, and that's what we have to do in our marriage. So the focus has to be mevater. Believe you me, when you can't be mevater, you'll know it, but not right away. You'll know it after a while. You'll know it after a while, and that's when you have to think about negotiation, and you and your husband have to set up a system where you can negotiate. He's allowed to tell you things, and she's allowed to, and, 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 <laughs> and she's allowed to tell you things. Exactly. It works both ways. But most of the time, I would say even like 95%, I know maybe I'm pushing the envelope here, I'm telling you, 95% of the time, maybe even more, 95% of the time, let it go. And if you don't feel fulfillment, maybe you should take out a pad, and every time you let go, just write it down. I let it go because of this, I let it go because of that. Be careful, you don't want to cause machlokas with that. But just for yourself, just to feel, wow, you know I was mevater. I was mevater, I was mevater for you. Maybe not for my wife, but I was mevater for you. Maybe not for my husband, but I was mevater for you. Okay, now, I, I want to move on. I want to move on. 
to the following topic, which, you know, really what we spoke segues into this topic. And that is what? That is the, the Indian, the topic, the issue of being truthful in your relationship, being truthful in your relationship. Very, very sticky, very sticky. The reason I say it's sticky is because some of you are listening to this might be thinking, what do you mean, Brother Greenfield, being truthful in my relationship? Of course I have to be truthful in my relationship. If my husband wasn't truthful, my wife wasn't truthful, you know, trust is the biggest, trust is definitely the biggest thing. There's no question about it. MS, we know, is like pivotal. It's on top of the higher hierarchy. Everything is, is on MS. Bereshis bara elokim. Bereshis bara elokim. The way Hashem starts the Torah, right? Bereshis bara elokim. One of the last letters of Bereshis. Tough. Bara. Aleph. Elokim. Mem. You cannot start the Torah. You cannot begin studying Torah if you don't realize that it's all MS, it's all truthful, and truth is pivotal, pivotal in relationships, in business, in everything. It's pivotal. It's pivotal. But then we have the situation where Yaakov, who his whole being was MS, That's, that was Yaakov, he, he was all about MS, and Yaakov is challenged where he has to come over to his father Yitzchak and possibly imply that he's someone else. So where does that come from? If it's all about MS, where does this come from? It's the same balance of the rest of Bechira, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about Bechira. It's that, it's that yes, if, we, if it's so simple, we wouldn't have the Bechira. So sometimes we're challenged. Sometimes we're challenged with our understanding of what MS means in a relationship, what MS means. Not that we're taking away from MS. We have to understand that no matter what we do, we have to be truthful with everything that we do. But the word MS, the word MS means <coughs> Aleph Mem Tuf, which is, which is, what we see, combination of Torah Shebichtav, Torah Shebalpeh, right? Torah Shebichtav. What's the first of the, of the Ten Commandments? Aseres Dibbas. Anochi. That's the Aleph. If we take a look at Torah Shebalpeh, what's the first Mishnah in Brachos? The first Mishnah. Me'emus HaKarnas Krishma. Me'emus HaKarnas the Mem. And what's the first word? Men who are listening to this. You, this is actually a nice bar Torah. The first word of the Gemara is Tana Mehechakai, right? Where do you have there? You have Aleph, Mem, Tuf. Again, MS. We see MS throughout the Torah. More, more situation of MS. I could go on and on. We talk about Parsha Shemos. We see HaKadosh Baruch who says Ekia Sheh Ekia, which stands for 441. 4 plus 4 plus 1 is 9. 9 is, is the number of truth. I don't want to get into this right now. But what I do want to say is that, yes, we have to be MS in our relationship. We must be MS in our relationship. But at the same token, we have to be careful not to be brutally honest. There's a very big difference between brutal honesty and MS. Very big. Because some people are feeling that they can just stand on the MS podium and say, well, I'm just being truthful with you. I'm just going to tell you how it is. Well, guess what? You're hurting your wife's feelings. And the reason I'm, talk, I'm saying this to the men, because usually it's coming from the men. Sometimes it works the other way around. I know there are exceptions. I'm the exception. Okay, you might be an exception. But general, this brutal honesty is coming from men, and they're just standing on this, on this platform, this MS platform. I'm just being truthful with you. Well, guess what? What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu tell Avram about his wife, Sarah? You know what Hashem said? Hashem tells Avram that his wife said that she is too old to have children that she is too old to have children. But is that what actually happened? That's not what happened. That's not what happened. What happened? She, she said, this is my husband, right? I'm not quoting the exact Lushan. You could look it up. But what I will tell you is it's an Afan Arashi. That what? That Kaddish Baruch Hu. could have said well, exactly what happened. But Hashem wasn't brutally honest. That's not MS to be brutally honest. Hashem said it in a, in, in a different way whichever way that, 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 that it was. But guess what? 
guess what? Brutally honest is not within the framework of being MS. The Gemari of Vamas in Sanhedrin speaks about Bnei Dark Yishalom. The Oitzayim of Farshim speaks about you're allowed to flatter your wife, even if it's not 100% truthful. We see throughout the Torah that MS does not mean brutally honest. MS means trust, security. I know what he's saying is true. But sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to be completely honest, you're going to hurt your spouse's feelings. And that's not MS. That's not what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. That's not what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. So what I'm talking about specifically, what I want to start with here today, is when your spouse asks you certain question, please don't stand on the MS platform and say, I'm going to be completely honest because this is what Hashem wants. No. So if Typical case, we all know, right? Wife asks her husband, so how did you like dinner? Maybe you didn't like dinner. So you're going to be completely truthful with her and say, that was disgusting. I'm telling you, I wasn't even expecting this, but you know what? I thought I thought I'll like it. It's disgusting. It's really disgusting. But it is disgusting. I don't like it. That's MS. It's not MS. That's not MS. That's not MS. That's not MS. That's not what Kosh wants. That's not the essence of MS. Right? I've had... Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I know this is going to sound very bizarre, I'm about to say. And you're going to think, like, people actually do this? But yeah, people actually do this. A wife says to her husband, Do you love me? I don't know, I have to think about it. What? Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, people talk like this. I'm telling you, I, I know some of you are shocked. Yes, people talk like this. I, I have to think about it. I'm going to have to be truthful. Or sarcasm. Sarcasm. Oh, do I love you? I, I hate you. I hate you. I'm just joking. Just joking. You see, that's that's the part where joking, we don't joke. There's no joking in marriage. You want to joke with your friends. You want to joke with even your, your brothers, your sisters. We don't joke in a marriage. Marriage is, is, is a very serious thing. We have to be very respectful to our spouse. Woman says to her husband, um, how do you think I look? Do I look normal? No, you look weird. Oh, just joking, just joking. Can we please stop with this joking? Or why are you asking me? You don't care what I say anyway. What? I don't care what I say anyways. I'm asking you what I look. You don't compliment me ever. So now I'm asking you to get some sort of response and you tell me, I, I, why am I asking you? Like, hello, like you want to fight? See, you see how these like little Indians come, comes to a fight and we start fighting in the house, machlokas back and forth. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to be very careful with our spouse's feelings. And MS is something that, of course, is very pivotal, but we have to understand what MS is. It does not mean to be brutally honest with your spouse. Both ways now. Wives, now husband. You know what? Let, let me tell you. You want to hear the truth? I'm going to tell you the truth. Usser, literally usser. You can't. You can't. You want to? Hear, you only want to hear the truth? I'm going to tell you how I really feel about you. Don't say it. Don't say. It. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. And if you're forced, yeah, maybe you're going to have to wiggle around it because that's what MS really is in a marriage. You're going to hurt your spouse's feelings. So don't be so MS. Number one. Number two. Ladies and gentlemen, I know most of you are doing what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say just just to, to be some chizik for you, chizik for myself. Let's be loving to our spouses. Really, let's be loving. This is like the most simple skill out there. Let's be loving. Be loving to your spouse, especially men, especially men. Be loving to your spouse. Good morning. How did you sleep last night? Hi. Oh, you look great in that. Oh, thank you so much for breakfast. I'm thinking about you. It's great to see you. You know when we text each other? You text each other. Husbands and wives out there are texting each other. There's, n- there's really nothing wrong after the text to write, I love you, or after the text, thinking about you, or after the text, just, you know, hope you're having a great day. Why can't we be loving in our marriages? Why is it only like chas and kala? They're so in love. They're talking all night. It's like, what? What? That's, that's, first of all, that might not even be appropriate. Point of the matter is, what's appropriate is during the marriage. Of course, I'm not talking about necessarily in public, in front of people. You know what I'm saying? But what I am talking about is if you're texting your wife, why can't you write, I love you afterwards? Why can't you write, I'm thinking about you afterwards? No one sees it. It's between you and your wife. It's between you and your husband. It's a beautiful thing. What, the kids are going to see the text? Big deal. Big deal. The kids can't see that you're in love? That's some, that, is it the Raisa? Is it the Raisa? That, oh, my, my parents? No, they don't really love each other. Of course there are limitations and there are boundaries that we have to set and everybody sets different boundaries in their home as far as love v'chulu. I, I get that. I get that. I understand this. Of course there's an Indian of Tznias. But our children shouldn't look at, at children shouldn't be looking at their parents and say, I don't know if they like each other. I think they like each other. I don't know. They don't really speak so loving to each other all the time. You could speak loving to your spouse. Could speak. You should be speaking to loving to your spouse. So the kids are around. 
It's great to see you. I'm so happy to see you. Wow, did you have a good day? I missed you today. I really missed you. Is it so bad that the children hear that I missed you? Like, seriously. I I'm getting worked up here. <laughs> I'm getting worked up. The reason I'm getting worked up is because, you know, you get all sorts of comments and feedback and stuff. And Baruch Hashem, I can say like 90, 99% of, of the comments and the feedback just gives me chizuk. It really gives me chizuk. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But that 0.1% where it's like, well, you know, you should really speak about being careful with the children. It shouldn't be so loving to your wife, you know, in front of the children. Look, of course you set boundaries, but you're going to go to the opposite extreme and you're going to completely like be cold to her? There's nothing wrong with saying I miss you. Nothing wrong with saying that. You don't want to say I love you in front of the kids? Okay, fine, fine. You know, I don't think it's a horrible thing. Okay, I said it. I don't think it's a horrible thing. I really don't. I really don't. But you know what? No problem. No problem. Each according to their boundaries. They didn't see it at home. Not a problem. That's, that's not a problem. Not a problem. Not a problem. But to completely disconnect, children shouldn't see that because all they're seeing is the fighting. That's all they're seeing. Not with all of you, Baruch Hashem, a lot of you, I'm sure, or most of you, when there's an issue, Moshe, Yaakov, can you please, can we please talk privately about this? That's the way it should be. But many of the kids are not exposed to that, so we have to be careful. Talk about how we speak to each other and languages, you know. Talk about MS, what I meant, what I don't mean. We have to understand that we are different. We know we're different. You know, I always say this, and I can't say this enough. I cannot say this line enough. And what's the line? The line is as follows. We think, feel, perceive, react, respond, love, need, appreciate all differently. Men and women are differently. We also speak differently. We speak differently. And I see so many times where spouses are taking what, what each other is saying literally. This is talking about MS literally. So this is working actually on the other end of it. And they get in trouble. They get in very, very big trouble. This I find especially true with men, where men are complaining about their wives. Well, she told me this, she told me that, she told me the other thing. Sometimes you have to use fifth chilek of Shulchan Aruch, which is what? Meaning, you know what? Use your common sense. But some of us, honestly, don't have that common sense. What I mean by that is maybe we haven't grown up with sisters. Maybe we really didn't have any, you know, shaykhs with our sisters. Maybe uh, we just don't know these things. No one's put to blame. We're not blaming anybody. But we are saying is that we have to use our common sense. If we don't have the common sense, I will tell you today that female and male language differs. It's different. Not all the time, but it differs. It really, really differs. Sometimes what your wife is saying is not exactly what she means. It's really not exactly what she means. Rabbi Greenfield, I know exactly what you're talking about. But that drives me crazy. <laughs> that drives me crazy. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to learn her language. Learn it. Learn the language. Now, I'm not telling ladies, women to just, you know, okay, you have like a, a pass over here. You could just say one thing and meet another. Obviously, ladies, I will tell you the truth. Please try to be very very literal when you speak with your husbands because that's the way men are. If you say it, that's what you said, and that's what it is. But on the other hand, men, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, I, you know, I, I, I could tell the women, but let's be real here. Sometimes your wife says things, she'll say things, but she's not necessarily going to mean that. Now, sometimes, honestly, men, you're going to say things and you're not going to mean what you are saying. But first, let's talk about what women say, what they don't always they don't always mean exactly that. This is actually taken from uh, Sarah Debbie Goodfriend. She wrote a great, great, great article on this, and I, and I want to quote it. When a woman says to her husband, you can do whatever you want. You know what? Just, just, just do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. What the man is hearing is she's telling me that I can make my own schedule today. She said it. She said, I can, do whatever I, want. I can make my own schedule. What she really means is whatever you do, do not do whatever you want. I want you to keep asking me what you can do today to help me until I feel like you really care. So I can give you a real answer. Oh, come on. Come on, Robert Greenfield. Is that fair? Your wife is not an achievement-based person. That's not who your wife is. Your wife is a relationship-based person. What's most important for your wife are the connections that she has with her children, if she has children, your children, and you. So that's what's most important. If she tells you, do whatever you want, you're going to take it literally. Sometimes you're going to say, okay, what do you actually mean by that? Can you please tell me what you mean by that? Clarify it because she might just come like impulsive and just say it because she's really upset and she doesn't really mean it. Ladies, I'm not saying this is a passport to do this, but I just want to be real. Number two, Sarah Debbie Goodfriend. I love this. Oh, there's a chasana. And everybody, you know, 
chasana, I want to be the chasana on time, a wedding. Everybody knows what chasana is, a wedding, right? Going to a wedding. And the man, you know, food, by the ladies, food is very important for your husband. I know you know this, but I'm going to say this again. Food is very important for your husband. The same way hungry children are kvetchy children, hungry husbands are kvetchy husbands. So let's be real. So for your husband, when he's going to the wedding, of course it's important for him to spend time, to meet, to be between sameach. But food is going to be important for, for a lot of husbands. A lot of husbands. Food is going to be very important. He wants to be there for the shmog. He hasn't anything all day. It's a nice wedding. He wants to be there early. He wants to be there early because he knows they have a nice shmog and then they don't eat until the chas and kala come out and the, and the pictures. He wants to be there on time. So of course, of course, we want to make our husband happy. But many times, what do we say to our husbands? Many times, what we'll say to our husband is as follow. We'll say, okay, I'll be ready in a minute. Now, when a man hears that, Debbie Goodwin, she writes, what that means in his head, okay, she's almost ready. I'll get into the car. But for those of you who, us who are married for a while, we know that many times it doesn't mean you could get into the car. What it really means is I'm going to be ready in a half an hour minimum, so grab something to eat. And if you don't compliment me right away, when you see me, I'm going to go right back upstairs and change again. Next. Can you watch the kids? Can you watch the kids? Right? Woman asks her husband, could you watch the kids? Very fair questions. Very fair question. Unfortunately, you know what men hear when they hear this sometimes? What that means for the man is I'm going to check my emails. I'm going to catch up on work. I'm going to rest a little on the couch. And the kids will let me know if they need anything. <laughs> right? That your husband's idea of watching the kids. Okay. What she really means is please give everybody dinner. If you could bathe the baby, I'd really appreciate it. If you could read them bedtime stories, that'd be amazing. If you can help Maishi with his homework, oh, that'd be great. And please put everybody to sleep. Next, you don't buy me anything. Okay, this is not something I don't really hear, honestly, but I'm just quoting what she wrote. So I think this is very cute. What the man hears is that she has everything she needs. She doesn't want me to buy her anything for her birthday, anniversary, Mother's Day. She's, she's fine. What she really means is if you really love me, you'll figure out what's the perfect gift for me. Include a thoughtful card. If you're not sure what I like, ask my best friend, my mother, or one of our teenage daughters. Okay. Next, she writes as follows. Number five, woman says to her husband, what? What? What does the man hear when he hears what? Oh, she's asking me to repeat myself. Because for some reason, she didn't hear me the first time. Either she's really distracted or maybe she just needs a hearing test. No, 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 that's not what she means. What she really means, I heard you fine the first time, but I can't believe you said that. I'm giving you a few chances to change your mind, okay? Next, he writes, I'm fine. Woman says to her husband, I'm fine. I'm completely fine. What the man hears is she can handle it by herself. What she really means, I haven't slept in two days. I have the flu. I'm behind at work. And I can't believe that you just asked me to host your parents for Hanukkah. Are you serious? Okay, next. Number seven. Woman says to her husband, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you. What the man hears, oh, she sounds really calm. Maybe what that means is that she's finally seeing it from my perspective. No, but that's not what she means. What she really means, I'm just going to keep repeating myself over and over again, explaining it in different ways. Why I'm correct until you give up. Now, the truth is, she writes this, but the truth of the matter is, from my experience, and ladies who are listening to this know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you say I'm not arguing, what you really mean is I'm not interested in arguing. You know, yeah, I still feel, you, feel you're wrong, but I'm not interested. It's, it's not worth our relationship. It's not worth it. We're going to argue about stupidity. Let's just let's give it up. Give it up. Eight. Woman says to, his, her, his women's, woman says to her, her husband, what did you do? Who did you see? What did he say? Now, what the man hears is she's asking me so so such irrelevant questions. It sounds like she doesn't trust me or something. What the woman really means is I really care about you. And asking you detailed questions about your day is my way of trying to connect to you and understand you. This actually I feel is very pivotal. And that's I end the quote from Sarah Debbie Goodfriend. I thought this was a great article. That what? that this is pivotal for all men who are listening to this. Gentlemen, are you listening to me now? Where are you? You're in your car? Are you elsewhere? Because it's the middle of the day now, right? Oh, actually, maybe this program will be rebroadcast Monday night. Will be broadcast, rebroadcast Monday night, Mr. Shem at 10. So wherever you are, gentlemen, this is important. When your wife is asking you questions, and sometimes you feel badgered by her questions, she's not trying to badger you. She's not trying to be a nuisance. She's not asking you irrelevant questions. I hear this all the time. A man like, what do you want to hear? My wife asks me, how's my day? It was fine. Same thing. Every day, the same thing. What do you want? 
I'll tell you what she wants. What your wife wants is a relationship. That's it. She just wants to connect. She just wants to connect with you. She hasn't seen you all day. She missed you. She wants to connect with you. She got married to you. And she has the same feelings she always had towards you. She loves you. She cares about you. She wants to connect. The way she connects is not just being in the same room with you. She wants to hear about your day. She wants to understand what happened to you. Understand your feelings. Tell it to her. Whatever it is. Who cares? You feel it's irrelevant? I'm telling you it's relevant. Everything that happened to you today was relevant. Speak to her a little bit. Speak to her a little bit. She feels she has no idea what's going on with you. And many times, by the way, ladies who are listening to this, you know that many times you really have no idea what's going on with your husband because he really doesn't talk at all. That's why it's important, men. Talk to your wives. You think it's irrelevant? I'm telling you it's not. Just talk to them about your day. Spend 10 minutes. You don't understand how much you're charging her emotional battery because now she feels connected. And you know something? I'll tell you something, guys. Honestly, you're going to feel connected too. You really will. And it'll be a nice it'll be a nice experience. So I know a lot of you are doing this. But if you're not, let's tighten our connection muscles. Okay. Now, here's the next piece. Here's the next piece. Oh, boy. There's so much to talk about. It's like running out of time here. Okay. The next piece is as follows, ladies and gentlemen. It is as follows. Ladies, many times you're getting into like fights with your husbands because he's asking you questions. You're feeling you're answering the questions. He feels you're not answering the question, and then he gets frustrated. So he'll ask you whatever it is. You'll answer. He'll be like, why aren't you answering the question? And you'll be I just answered your question. And he's like, no, I asked you this question. Why don't you answer the question? And ask Answer what I'm telling you. Answer what I'm telling you. And it becomes a whole big fight. Okay. Men who are listening to this. This is very important I'm about to say. Sometimes your questions are loaded with implied criticism. Loaded. I know that most of the time you do not know it. And ladies, it's true. Your husband doesn't have a clue. He does not have a clue. He's a man. But many times your questions are loaded with criticism, especially if your tone is very very crude, very sharp, very sounds criticizing. It's loaded with implied criticism. Now, ladies, your husband doesn't mean it. I'm telling you, your husband does not mean it. And all these machlokas that you have in your house because of implied criticism, he does not mean it. He's a man. I'm telling you he's a man. So I'm talking to both of you. From one side, I'm talking to the men. Men be careful how you ask those questions because a woman hears something else. She's not hearing what you're saying. She's hearing your tone. And sometimes you don't even realize that you are, you are criticizing. Sometimes you are. I know most of the time you're not. And ladies, most of the time your husband is not criticizing you. But sometimes you are. But women, trust me, your husband doesn't have a clue. Generally, he doesn't really have, he doesn't have a clue. He's just asking you a question. So let's say for argument's sake, your husband calls you up and it's Erev Shabbos. And he calls you up, and it's getting close to Shabbos. He's coming in. He, calls, he starts talking. He's like, are you ready for Shabbos? Are you ready for Shabbos? Right? Because your husband, you know, your husband, not all husbands are like this, by the way. And some women who are going to listen to this, they'll be like, oh, I wish my husband was like this. But again, we all have our nisyonos. Not just nisyonos. We all have the perfect husbands. Trust me. Trust me. It's a perfect recipe for you. Your husband is perfect for you. Perfect. Men, your wives are perfect for you with all the nisyonos, with all the challenges, with everything that you wanted and didn't want this what. Trust me, this is a perfect recipe for, for you. And, and, and I want to I go on like this. That what? Your husband calls you up. Arab Shabbos says, are, are you ready for Shabbos? Are you ready for Shabbos? Fine. So now, it sounds like a very simple yes or no. Yeah, yes or no? Are you ready? I just want to know, are you ready for Shabbos? And many times the husband is calling you up and saying, you're ready for Because he has to know, do I have to help you with this? Do I have to help you with that? Or uh, what type of house am I coming into? He just wants a heads up for whatever reason it is. Let's be down the kafschus, ladies. I know. Let's be down the kafschus. I know it sounds like criticizing. He's not. He just wants to know for whatever reason it is. I see these cases all the time where the woman gets so upset. The husband really, he has nothing out against you. He shouldn't be. I'm not saying he should be talking like that. I'm not saying he should be talking like that. But what I'm saying is just. He really has nothing against you. Now, when you hear that, many times, ladies, what you're hearing from him is like, not are you ready, or why aren't you ready for Shabbos? Right? Why aren't you ready for Shabbos? And many times, 
the woman will answer, am I ready for Shabbos? You know how busy I was with the laundry, preparing the chalant, and, 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 and I had to clean the house and whatever, and the whole thing. And men get frustrated. It's like, I just asked you for ready for Shabbos. Why, why are you like giving me excuses? I'm just asking you, yes or no? And she's like, no, you're not. You want And comes a whole fight. So I'm giving directions here to the women, and I'm giving you directions to the men. Ladies, when your husband asks you these questions, which you feel are loaded with criticism, if it's a situation where you can let it go, let it go. Just, just let it go. Yes, I'm ready for Just let it go. Let it go. If you can be, let it go. If you know that you're not going to be able to let it go, because you know, you, you just can't. That question really bothered you. It's going to ruin my Shabbos. What he just said, just going to ruin my Shabbos. You're allowed to say to your husband, Moshe Chaim Shimon, I know you didn't mean it, but that question made me feel like 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 uh, being attacked. Now he will say, he'll say, I'm not attacking. I just want to know, are you ready for Shabbos or not? Are you ready for Shabbos or not? So say, I know, but if you could rephrase yourself with that question, I, I don't know, just that question, because oh, fine, forget about it, and just protect yourself, because you're going to be resentful the whole Shabbos. Try to be mavater. Try to let it go, ladies. Just try to let it go. But if you feel like this is going to become a whole bomb, just say to him, I know you didn't mean it, but that question, whatever. I'd rather you ask me this way. Ladies, are you listening to this? Because it's very important. Because men have no clue. They really have no clue. Say to them, here's what will work with me. If you would tell me, I appreciate how much you're preparing for Shabbos, where are you holding? That would work with me. Tell it to your husband. Because he might not have a clue. He might say, you know, I know you didn't mean it, but... I feel like I'm being attacked, which is very important sometimes to say to your husband. Again, step one, if you can be mevater, be mevater, be mevater, be mevater, but sometimes you know this is going to ruin your Shabbos. This comment, oh my gosh, say to your husband, I know you didn't mean that, but I feel like very unappreciated with that comment. If you were to, if you can ask me in this way, that would be much better. Sometimes just you could say to your husband, if you could rephrase yourself, but if you see your husband's like struggling, he has no idea, just say to him, Moshe, if you just say to me, I appreciate that I'm getting everything ready for Shabbos, where are you holding? That would work with me because I, don't, I really don't feel appreciated by that question. Not everybody's so sensitive, but I see this a lot. I see this a lot. And if it's not by Shabbos, it might be something else. It might be something else. Such as what? Let's hear a couple of ones here. Here. Here, here, here. Husband says to his wife, are you ready for the wedding? Are you ready for the wedding? It's like, you ready for the wedding? Like, are you for real? I told you already that there's no way I could be ready for wedding on time until you come. And when you come, you're going to have to watch the baby because I have to get dressed. And it's like a whole thing. And you ask me if I'm ready for the wedding? Do you, do you know what I had to, to, to do until now? Okay. So that's, here's another question, right? That could bother us. Like, what do you mean? Like, that, that, that question is loaded with criticism. Ladies, again, I'm telling you, your husband doesn't have a clue. He forgot about what you said in the morning. He's thinking about something else. He has to pay a bill. He's, he's in a different world. He's in the, I'm, I'm not giving him excuses. I'm telling you, I see couples. I, I see couples. I work with men. They're all the same. It's just a different world. He has no idea. A different world. Sometimes, by the way, this is the other way around. Some men are listening to this and like, oh, I actually have this the other way around. Fine, but generally, this is what I see. I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm trying to be real. I'm trying to be real. This is this is Damas. This is what happens. This is the way we are. Kajabaku created us. So what, ladies, don't take him seriously. No, I'm sorry. I'm not ready for the wedding. Just be my vater. Be my vater. Let it go. If you feel like a wedding is, is going to be completely ripped apart now because of his silly comment, so say to him, Moshe, I know you didn't mean that, but I'd rather you tell me, you know, if you could be ready soon or if you could do it. Tell him whatever would work with you. Generally, you want to feel appreciated. Generally, you want to feel understood. So generally, what you want to hear from your husband is, I know I just came home and I'm watching the kids. How long are you going to need it to be ready for the wedding? Just ask me like that. Because generally, the, what really is at the core of all these issues is the feeling of unappreciation. You're asking me questions, but I really feel very unappreciated by your question. This is a called implied criticism. Men who are listening to this, I know many men are listening to this are like, this happened in every house? It happens in a lot of homes. It happens in a lot of homes. So hopefully you'll get some sort of relief just listening to this, that it's actually happening in a lot of homes. And to know what to do with this. So gentlemen, be careful when you ask your wife things. Be careful when you ask your wife things. A lot of it is implied criticism. If you wake up in the morning and the baby's crying and you say to your wife, oh, you know, the baby's crying. Well, she heard the baby cry. What do you think? She's a bad mother? No, I'm just telling her. Why does she get so sensitive? Why is she so sensitive? Some of your wives are sensitive. Some of them are not. You know what? This is the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes us different. We're different. And that's the Ishtadlus. To say herself, okay, she's different. So I won't tell her the baby's crying. I won't tell the baby's crying. I'll say to her, you want me to go help you with the baby? You want me to bring the baby? I think he's crying. I think he's crying. Work it out with your wife. She'll tell you what works with her. Ladies, if you could be mevater, 
Be mevater, be mevater. It's especially true with food. Very true with food. Oh, you didn't make uh, you didn't make kishka this Shabbos? You didn't make kishka this Shabbos? Oh, you didn't make uh, goulash this Shabbos? You didn't make kibbeh this Shabbos? And a woman will feel bad. What do you mean I didn't make kibbeh? No, I didn't make kibbeh. I was working like a dog. All you have to say is negative stuff. That's why. Ladies, when you hear it, your husband's not trying to get you. He's just being a man, normal man. If it hurts your feeling, I know you don't mean it, Moshe, but if you can appreciate first what I did, that would work with me. I know you don't mean it. That's it. That's it. Oh, come on, Rabbi Greenfield, this is so hard. Of course it's hard. Of course it's hard. That's what marriage is. It's very, very difficult. But when you do it right, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm telling you, I've seen couples completely go from like the worst, worst, worst situations to the most amazing situation where they're so happy with each other. Very, very important. Very, very important. Okay. I have a little more to speak about this, but I don't even have time today. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk a little bit about Hanukkah. A little bit. Next week we're going to talk more about Hanukkah, but I want to talk about Hanukkah like this. Hanukkah is not here yet. We have a little time, but scheduling for Hanukkah. Very important. Very important to schedule Hanukkah. I know a lot of us are going to Mishpacha for Hanukkah, for Hanukkah Mesiba, Hanukkah this, Hanukkah that. So number one, ladies... If, you're, if you have some sort of arrangement with your mother-in-law that you're going to go to a Hanukkah party, whatever it is, you know, if you're going to tell your husband, oh, you know, we're in the Hanukkah party, we're actually having a Hanukkah party. We're going to your mother for Hanukkah on this and this night. He'll be like, I can't go on that. I have a whole thing. You know what? Let his mother speak to him. Ladies, let his mother speak to him. Say to your mother. Say to her, Ima, whatever you call your, your mother-in-law. Say to her, can you please speak to Moshe about it? Arrange with him, because I don't want to get involved. She'll work it out with him. It's fine, it's the mother. But you don't want to get a machlokas with that. Unless, you, unless I'm saying, by the way, this, if this is an issue, because I see this issues with many people. So that's it. I would say, you know, you work it out. Let him work it out with his parents. You work it out with your parents. And then sit together and figure it out together as a couple and do whatever is best for the relationship. Are you hearing me? Because it's very important. Not what's best... For, for her, for him, for this. If this is going to become big machlokas, trust me, speak, speak to your husband and say, to him, maybe you could say to your mother, I'll try to speak to my mother. We'll try to rearrange it. You want there to be shalom. Machlokas, especially on Hanukkah. Hanukkah is like we're trying to bring, oh, we're trying to bring light. Is not something that we want, number one. Number two is Hanukkah. Try to schedule like Hanukkah, especially for the kids that every night just to do something with the kids, meaning a latkes, a dreidel. I know many of us have plans, but we don't want to miss nights. If we schedule right now, it'll give us the heads up. Scheduling and structure always works great. Thank you so much for listening. We ran out of time. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield. Thank you for listening. Any comments, questions, feedback, 917-397-2841. 917-397-2841. Have an amazing and amazing week.